There we go again, Junior. We're off on the road to Morocco. I'm almost wondering, because we don't have a blooper, um, unless you find one, um, yeah. if you should just open with some of that music from the um, road to Morocco. People won't understand why it's there until the end. <laughs> Yes, oh, some foreshadowing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly do get around. Like Webster's Dictionary, we're Morocco bound. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 42. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we're talking about the education of our children. When it comes to giving our children the best education possible, we think we can all agree that parents just want the very best. But with all the options out there, where does one begin to sort through them all? We'll look at two of the most common educational pathways today, homeschooling and traditional brick and mortar schools, and investigate the merits of both. But first, if you are enjoying our podcast as much as Michelle and I enjoy bringing it to you, please consider taking a few minutes to rate and review the Modern Lady Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Another way that you can help spread the word is by sharing this episode with your friends and family. We also love receiving your feedback and get so excited when we receive comments from our listeners. This week's shout out goes out to Alessia the Blonde Pond from, get this Lindsay, the United Kingdom. No! Yes, yes. Oh, it's um, happening. <laughs> hey, she left us a comment on Apple Podcasts and says, quote, I've only just discovered this podcast and listened to a few episodes in a row and I really enjoy it. I'd encourage any woman who doesn't feel like most women-oriented media speaks to them to check this out, end quote. Thank you so much, Alessia, for your comments and for leaving us this review. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. My family was at an event last night and the national anthem was played and it got me thinking about national anthems and the etiquette that we should employ there. So here's a few good reminders on how we should conduct ourselves when we hear the national anthem. So number one, you stand up, right? If, and if there's a flag present, you face the flag. If not, just kind of stand at attention facing forward. In the United States, you place your right hand over your heart. We'll get more into that in a minute. Number two, remove your hat. The exceptions to this rule are those big fancy hats that women wear at something like the Kentucky Derby and religious headwear like Yarmulkes. Number three, put what, down whatever you're holding, whether it's food, coffee, even your cell phone. Just have your hands empty. And number four, the national anthem is actually considered a hymn, so you aren't supposed to clap after it. Now, why do Americans put their hand over their hearts? And if I'm wrong on this, right, as a Canadian, I will mm -hmm. happily take correction from our American <laughs> listeners. But according to the Smithsonian website, Americans used to fully salute the flag and salute during the Pledge of Allegiance. And around 1890, this salute was actually extending your right hand straight out um, with your palm down towards the flag. And if people can imagine what I'm doing, 
it's the Nazi salute. <laughs> um, they, so this evolved into um, the actual proper salute. But this whole idea of a mass group of people saluting at the same time who are not in the military started to become in World War II, you know, slightly reminiscent of other things going on in Europe. And so they mm-hmm. actually stopped doing the salute at that time. And um, oh, that original salute, the first one I talked about was called the Bellamy salute. Um, and so at that time, then they they started putting their hand over their heart, just, you know, to kind of replace that action. Now, a final mm-hmm. tip for Canadians. I don't know about you, Michelle. Maybe you don't, mm-hmm. but I always feel so awkward when the national anthem switches to French, right? So this yeah. is a particularly Canadian <laughs> yes. issue. Um, so I just pretend to mouth the French words. Um, so perhaps we should all, you know, learn the French part. My bilingual husband was belting it out beside me last night. As I was just kind of mm-hmm. like mouthing nonsense. But yeah, so that's just a few good reminders. Right. You know what? The um, This actually ties in well with our, our topic today, because mm-hmm. I remember our school growing up would switch back and forth. Mm-hmm. We sang the national anthem every morning, and sometimes it was in French and sometimes it was in English. And so, uh, I mean, it's been several years, but mm-hmm. I, I do remember it and it is familiar to me. I often feel a little bit awkward singing the national anthem, um, but it's more to do with what to do with my hands Mm -hmm. because that's so interesting in the states you uh put your hand over your heart Mm -hmm. i knew that but i remember my parents telling me and uh that in canada we stand at attention yes right with our hands down by our sides and um because there's not too many opportunities or reasons for me to stand at attention otherwise (laughs) (laughs) those few occasions i'm singing the national anthem it's it's an awkward position It has never been a more exciting time to be a student, or the parents of a student. With every intriguing option from charter schools to road schooling to homeschooling to public school, it is exciting, but it can be so overwhelming when you're trying to decide which educational path suits best, at which time, for which child. Right, Lindsay? Yeah, you're totally right. And As you know, um, I've done a couple of the options, and I think Mm -hmm. that what sparked this, you know, it's the right time for you and I to have this conversation is um, my older two went back into public school this this, um, year, this September, and I've received a lot of questions from people over the last two weeks about why we decided to do that. So I thought it was a really good time for you and I to kind of share how we discerned um, how we educate our children. Yeah, I, um, being a, a sanguine personality, <laughs> if anyone else uh, follows the four temperaments personality typing system, um, I think all the options are exciting <laughs> and fantastic. So this was actually a very long, drawn-out discernment process for for us as well before we uh, landed on our, our schooling journey, we'll say. I had never considered really anything other than the regular school approach, right? Like just sending them off to school in kindergarten. And um, it was something we didn't actually, opposite to you, give any thought or discussion to because we'd never even really planned on having kids. Um, This is before my conversion and Jason's Mm -hmm. conversion. So it was just, we didn't talk about kids. We didn't talk about school. So we just kind of thought we'd just go with the flow. But then when we had our first, um, you know, as you know, Michelle, 
Um, I, I really did a lot of attachment parenting with my kids. So we co-slept mm-hmm. and I exclusively breastfed and I baby wore and I never left them ever. So all of a sudden this baby that I'd never left was three and a half. And I'm like, here's junior kindergarten. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> and it did not go well for her at all. She cried for six months and mm-hmm. um, it was awful. And at that time it was alternating days and it really, really messed with her because she was like, is it school tomorrow? Is it school? So like, you'd see the stress. And, um, and at that's at the time that I started like meeting up with other moms and especially online who were homeschoolers. And every time they said that they were homeschoolers, something in my heart went homeschooling, try homeschooling. So it kind of started then, but it was a long process until I got there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was it, um, eventually that convinced you? Well, after years, um, so from kindergarten, junior kindergarten in Canada, right? So we have junior kindergarten Mm -hmm. and senior kindergarten, then grade one. Um, It was a four-year process of every time I saw homeschooling mentioned that that twinge in my heart. And I I don't know if you ever heard Oprah say that sometimes, you know, God starts out like a whisper and then the whisper gets louder and then gets louder and then he's like yelling at you. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happened in our house. And we loved the school our kids were in. Um, we'd been at two different schools because we had moved. So it had a f- few years of experience under our belt. So mm-hmm. we always loved the school. It was never the school, but it was just this idea that I wanted to try homeschooling. And one of the things I've learned as a mom is that I have to reconcile within myself whatever decision I make. I'm the only person I have to answer to on my deathbed. Of course, Mm -hmm. that's not talking about God and my husband. I'm just talking about within myself, right, as their mother. And if there's something I feel like I need to try, then I need to do that because I didn't want to have any regrets about it. So this calling kept happening and kept getting stronger. And at this time, our second child was in school. He also did not do well starting in kindergarten. He cried every day. Um, and, And while I was literally having to push them into the school, I wanted to throw up every single Mm. time. So the transition was terrible. And then on top of that, what I noticed our life was becoming like at this point. So I think we had three kids and I was pregnant. Is that, as I'm sure you know, the morning was rush, 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 get everybody ready. And I was yelling all morning. And then it was like mm-hmm. rushing to school and somebody would slip and fall on the ice. And I wouldn't even be able to have time to like, you know, snuggle them. I'd have to be like, come on, you're fine. I'd pick them up by their snow pants <laughs> and keep them going. And uh, so I'd yell all morning. Then I'd drop off my crying kids and then I'd go home and cry. And then I'd pick them up after. And then it was rush, rush, rush all night, right? It was dinner, mm-hmm. homework, baths, bed. And I thought, is this it? Like, is this my motherhood? Um, mm. this is the voice that I'm leaving with them every day is a yelling mom. And then, and I try to start out all peaceful when they got home, but it's really hard over the witching hours, we call it. Right. Right. And so I thought, oh, this, yeah. this can't be my motherhood experience. And now many of you listening might think, well, then fix yourself, like <laughs> figure out what's going on with you. Okay. Whatever. I was tired. Okay. And I'm like pregnant <laughs> with my fourth baby. So this, all of that's kind of happening at this, this, as this voice to homeschool was growing louder and louder. And so I couldn't stand it anymore. And the only question everybody asks homeschoolers is always, what about socialization? And Mm -hmm, that was the one mm -hmm. thing that was my husband was hung up on. And Matt Mm -hmm. Walsh wrote an excellent article on socialization at that time. And so I woke Jason up and he had worked a night shift. And I think I let him get like four hours sleep because I was just so bubbling over with excitement. And I woke him up and I'm like, you need to read this right now. Right now. We got to make this decision. So he's like, okay, whoa. So he read it and he's like, yep, that's it. We're done. We'll homeschool. And we made that decision that day. We let the kids finish out that year. And that was when we started homeschooling. Wow. I can really relate to the crying 
in yeah. junior kindergarten. Yeah. Your kids um, did it too? Oh. oh my goodness. Well, not the boys. Okay. Um, and I have theories about that. For one, they were twins, so yeah. they went off together, which I think really helped. Number two, they actually had a delayed start. So we chose to do preschool mm-hmm. um, for them just a couple of mornings a week. Mm-hmm. And that was just enough, right? And then with each other too. And then by the time they switched into senior kindergarten at the at the local Catholic school, um, they were okay. Uh, but our oldest... <laughs> She cried almost every morning until like the middle of last year. Oh my gosh. Grade two. <laughs> and it wasn't, um, it, you know, as, as parents, we are very conscientious. So it wasn't a cold thing for me. I I knew from how she behaved at home after school. I'm very involved in the school. So I'm there all the time. I pick her up at lunch often. So I was gauging the situation and I knew it was very much just a like first thing in the morning. Yeah. Hard to get up and get going type of thing. But it didn't make it any easier uh, for me either, especially those first couple of years. Um, I think it it's also much easier for her now going with her brothers, yeah. right? So there's a few of them going off together as opposed to when she was younger, it was really just her and the rest of us would get in the car and, yeah, and say bye. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That That is a major adjustment and a huge factor. And uh, like I was saying before, for me, uh, many of my close friends homeschool. Mm-hmm. And I knew these people and I was friends with them before we started school. And so all those years leading up to junior kindergarten, I angsted all the time. Oh, my goodness. I'd have like violent swings one way or the other. And I would change my mind. It, it seemed like every other week. Um, but for for me, the attraction to homeschooling was, um, once again, go, more my personality. I really saw the um, the flexibility and the possibility of adventures every day. Essentially, <laughs> I was like workbooks. Every day is a field trip. <laughs> that would be my curriculum for yeah. homeschooling. It, it was a very exciting um, possibility for me to just spend a lot of time with them and to not be rushed or in a hurry or um, and you know study what we want when we want to. And ultimately, I was so indecisive about it. I felt like I could reevaluate as we went on, but it was probably better um, for them and for me to settle into some sort of a routine first. And then I just continue to reevaluate as we go on. And school provided the stability for us um, to get into a routine. Yeah. enough so that I can actually think clearly. Because you're right, when when you first start school, uh, if you have more than one child, um, that usually means you're in the thick of babies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's a terrible time to make a decision that you're hoping will stick for the rest <laughs> of their lives. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. And that was one of the things that really <sighs> mm-hmm. struck me at that time. So uh, we always had to walk to school. And so that winter, that last winter before I pulled them out was the worst winter we've had in a long time. And I would remember waking up my baby and having to like mm. right in the middle of nap time because my kids are finished early. They're finished at 2.50. And so I'd have Ooh. to wake him up right at that time and throw mm. him in it. We're in Canada. So it's like minus, you know, 15, 17 with the wind chill. And and put him in his little um, car seat, you know, wrap up a blanket and walk through the snow. And I was pregnant. And so then the stroller would like hit my pregnant belly getting stuck on the ice. And I was like, 
I'm done. I'm done. So again, my reasons for homeschooling sound horrible. Like I don't want to yell at my kids anymore and I don't want to walk in the snow. Those were basically my first two reasons. Um, and then if I, if I look deeper, um, and uh, our other reason, and this is really true because I want everybody to consider this. I am married to a police officer. And so Mm -hmm. we have a very different view of our city and of the world than non-police families. And so I was just like, that's it. That's it. I want to protect these babies. I want to put bubble wrap around them. I just want my babies home every day. And, you know, I just wanted to like, just completely protect them. Now, obviously this isn't the right approach. And thankfully, um, I met a homeschooling family in our community and I met with her when we were still discerning. And she said, so why do you want to homeschool? And I'm like, I don't want to yell. I don't want to walk in the snow and uh, I want to protect them. And she's like, you can't, those aren't the reasons. I'm like, what? And she's like, those aren't good reasons. She's like, you can't do this out of a place of fear. And so she's like, you really need to go home and think about this for a long time and like pray Mm -hmm. about it and come up with a list of reasons why you want to homeschool that aren't fear-based. And I'm so glad Mm -hmm. she did that because my real reasons came to light then. And it was really about my goal of wanting my kids to have a very, very tight bond. And that became kind of our primary goal in our family is I wanted to just kind of press the hold button on life for a little bit. And I thought there's no other time we can ever do that. And so I did want them home. I did want to have that closeness with them, but I wanted them to also bond together in a way that you can only do when you're kind of stuck inside of a house together for days on end. Right. (laughs) I do love what you said about it, that it can't be fear-based because I feel exactly the same way, right? And that was actually one of the reasons why we ended up actually going to uh, brick and mortar school. And I think from from henceforth, we will just call this public school, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brick and mortar is quite a mouthful. <laughs> um, a lot of my decisions uh, or thoughts about homeschooling that did not come from just having fun all the time <laughs> yes. were also really fed by like fear, yeah. uh, fear mongering in, in a very mild way. Like no one was really like out to get me or to terrify me or anything. Right. But um, I realized that that wasn't going to stick for me because I grew up with the philosophy of like, you have to give people to something to say yes to and your argument can't be no, no, no all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like if the majority of my decision-making is focused on no to school, no, 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 because it's bad because whatever, um, that I knew that that wouldn't stick in the long run. And I would just keep this oscillating back and forth. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important point. So you and I talk a lot um, over the years, actually. So it's really surprising it took us this long to do this episode because we talk about education Mm -hmm. a lot um, when we're together. But about how it's a continuation, it's a, it's a process that we have all the time of this discernment um, for the education of our children. And I know that when we were first making this decision, a lot of people said to me, well, you have whatever you, decision you make, that's fine. We'll support you, but you have to stick with it. You can't put them in and then take them out and then put them in and back out. And, and you just have to make a decision and stick with it. And I'm like, oh, okay. That actually really frightened me because I'm like, Like, that's it. I'm taking them home. I cannot fail. And then I realized you absolutely can take them out and put them back in. Like, you can do whatever you want. These are your children. And so I have always said, and, and Jason is on board with this, that it is a decision per child for each child every single year, right? Each child's mm-hmm. totally different and situations can come up 
And so I think if we're always open to change and open to God's will and just really in tune with our kids and with our spouse, and we're constantly having this discussion, we can say, you know what, Mm -hmm. it's not working out for so-and-so right now. It's just not, I see it damaging them physically or emotionally, psychologically, um, spiritually, and, and you can, it's okay. It's, it's okay to take them out for a little while, for a year, for six months. And so this idea Mm -hmm. of, well, you've got to make a decision and stick with it. I don't feel that to be true at all. And and once I freed myself of that, it doesn't mean I'm going to put them in and take them out, but it's just this mental idea that I, as their mom, I have every right to do whatever we're going to do if it's for the child's best interest. And so that really gave me a lot of peace with having this continual discernment process. Yeah. I love that because it really sticks to this philosophy of parents are the first educators Mm -hmm. of their children, right? And that does not matter between homeschooling families and families that choose another educational path or sending their kids to school, right? Parents are always, always the first educators of their children. And that includes, like you said, always evaluating your children one by one on an individual basis. And you as their primary educator are determining their character, their faith development, their virtue, how they're doing in life, how they're coping, and then you as their educator and as their parent making these decisions yep. for them, right? That's not a, that's not an exclusive title um, merely for people who teach, um, teach their children at home. And I think what you said in the opening is really, really true. You're saying it's a really exciting time in education because mm-hmm. teachers are also on board with these different possibilities and opportunities for the children. They also see that families right. can make decisions. And um, we have been backed every single time by the school board when we've had our kids in and had them out and received zero judgment. And they said, oh yeah, we have a lot of homeschool kids come back or go out and homeschool and or take a year off to go road school or any of these things. It is a really exciting time where everybody's understanding that for the first time ever that children learn in different ways at different paces and and that it's that also changes every year the way that they learn and that I think we're all united in the idea that we just want our kids to fall in love with learning and so yes. right because then it continues yeah. for their lifetime and so that's really really different for each child mm-hmm. and once we started into the school I have to say um our, our school here in town, and I know every school is different, but I really love our school. Mm. Um, but there are a few things that really helped me come to terms because, like I said, uh, many of my close close friends at that time were still homeschooling. I felt very alone mm. yeah. <laughs> um, bringing my kid to school, knowing that I wouldn't see any of my close friends there from the neighborhood. Um, And so I really had to, it was good for me in a way (laughs) as well. If, you know, parents can still be educated too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm learning as I go along with them. But going along with that, I had this mentality of like, well, then if we're going to school, we as a family, we are going to school, mm. meaning, you know, we are very involved. We try to volunteer in our school community. We try to go to the events. We try to know our teachers. We try to know the systems of the school, the routines of the school. We encourage siblings to look out for each other in school. I know my kids are really enjoying playing together this year at recess because it's the first time the 
the boys have joined um, our daughter in the schoolyard. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they love to find each other at recess and promote that, promote that closeness still. But the family is going to school. We're not just sending them off and checking out. Right. That also plays into the idea of the importance as of home as this haven then, right? It's that, okay, then if we are all going out, um, that can be a really good thing. And then when everyone comes home, this is your safe place. This is where you decompress, where we talk it out, where we um, learn together, we grow together, and we reconnect in order to go back out again tomorrow. And I remember you gave me that reminder with my older two going back to school this year and I had all mm-hmm. the emotions <laughs> and, um, right. and you were like, just use this opportunity to focus on making their, you know, their home time be the haven for them. And that was such a good mm-hmm. reminder again that, yeah, nothing's ended. Their, their home education hasn't ended, especially because of all the homework they're bringing home, which let me just say That's right. is the same <laughs> amount of time I was doing in their entire day. Yes. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the way we looked at homeschooling is, and I've actually seen this online recently, but I've been saying this for years, is I compared it to a greenhouse. And so mm. the, this period of time when I had my kids at home was like they were in a glass house, right? So they saw the world around them. They weren't isolated, but they saw it in a very controlled environment. Their father and I controlled what information was coming in and and um, and their interactions with the exterior world, but they weren't blocked off from it. And then as mm-hmm. they started to grow and develop and their roots became really, really, really solid, then when we determined it was time that they would be strong enough to be transplanted out into the real world, um, then it was time to do that. And so that's where we've hit this year. And we knew that last year that Charlotte and Deacon, our older two, were getting ready to be transitioned back out into the real world. And and that's what we want to encourage all of our listeners to do today is that know that you have the power to make those decisions. You can change your decision in your mind at any time, but to really be prayerful about it and really work closely with your spouse and talk to your children about it. I always involve the kids in the discussion as well. And, um, mm-hmm. and that you're going to do what's best for your family at that time in your life and for you as the mom, right? Sometimes moms mm-hmm. just can't. I know a lot of moms who are homeschooling who are miserable homeschooling, but are doing it because Mm. they think they have to. That's not serving your kids either. And so Mm -hmm. if you are, you know, going to serve them better by having them in school and and doing a really bang up job when they get home from school, that's amazing. I'm a lazy mom. So it worked really well. (laughs) Going to school is harder actually (laughs) for me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, school. There's so many things. Very hard. It's way harder than homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if other homeschoolers would agree, but we had many a day where we're like, you know what? I think we're just going to watch movies and eat cookies today. And those were amazing days. And I can't do that now with everything they have to do. So anyways, I, for me, homeschooling really reduced the overall stress level in our house big time, big time. There was a noticeable Mm -hmm. um, decrease in stress level. But I know that that happens for other families when they get their kids happily placed in the school system. So again, your choice is your choice. And and you should have family and friends that support that. Yeah, I would just say as well, like going along with this idea that the parents are always the first educators. Your right as a parent is not usurped just because you send your kids to school either like what you were saying like whatever it takes you can make it happen however it needs to happen Mm -hmm. so if you are an involved parent if you are working diligently to form your family culture at home when you are all at home 
you should not fear whatever educational decision you make for your child because ultimately it's your family culture that will determine their ultimate success and their character in life. Yeah, that's what's most important. And I think that that stands for both homeschooling and public education, raising our children and and to be good people of virtue, to be well-functioning adults, to be people with great characters. That is far more important than any of the school subjects, however you're educating them. And so that, again, starts at home, like what you're saying. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? You and I often worry about suggesting things that we haven't quite finished yet, just in case it takes a turn for the bad. (laughs) Um, Peaky blinders. Um, So... (laughs) I started listening to a podcast and it's only four episodes. It's a, it's a, like, I guess a mini series and a podcast. Um, and I'm done two and a half episodes and I think it's really fascinating. So especially considering that what I recommended last week was gone with the wind. And I had touched Mm -hmm. on the controversy around that book on how it perhaps, um, made light of slavery and actually romanticizes it. I wanted to learn about the flip side. And so the podcast I started listening to this week is called 1619. Have you heard of this? Oh my gosh. Just before we recorded the show, I was Mm -hmm. checking, um, checking something on iTunes for the podcast. And that is the one that was featured. Yeah. It's, it's receiving a lot of, um, great response. And so it's really, really, really neat. And it talks, that's the year that the first boat landed full of slaves in the United States. And they Mm -hmm. opened the first couple of minutes with the, um, she's probably like the great granddaughter of a slave standing on the shores where the boat landed and what that means to her and what she was feeling. And so hearing her family stories and hearing the history of slavery, and it's actually, and they say this, it's actually the history of capitalism in the United States and the financial Mm. system too. Um, It is absolutely fascinating from a historical standpoint, from a sociological standpoint. It's just a really, really well done podcast. So I've only got um, one and a half episodes left, but I really recommend so far um, 1619. Wow. That sounds so interesting. And you're right. Like, I love um, hearing about an issue, but you always kind of wonder, like, you wonder about bias, you wonder Mm -hmm. about perspective. And so that is, that is so great that you have that counter to Gone with the Wind to supplement what you were reading last week. Yes. And um, I'm also going to be reading, and I can review it in the future, but Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is often the book that really helps people understand the brutality of slavery. So that's something I try to encourage my kids from homeschooling um, (laughs) is reading lots of different sources, right? So that you can become a critical thinker and hear different opinions. That's awesome. What have you been loving this week? So this summer, we actually are starting to get into going back to our old movies fascination. Mm. Uh, the Road 2 movies starring Bing Crosby and yes! Bob Hope. Do you yes. know about these? I yeah. have never watched one, but I know all about them and they're on my yeah. list. <laughs> oh, you love them. They're they're just fun. You know what? Yeah. They're fun. They're dated a little bit, but oh my goodness, they're so fun. So we just a few weeks ago, actually, we started off with um, The Road to Morocco. Mm-hmm. And um, 
uh, actually, I think that's out of order. I think it's the third in the series. And there's like seven of them in this mm-hmm. series. Uh, but I had to start with that one because I grew up, my mom listened to all all these musicals and show tunes. And I remember The Road to Morocco, the song. Mm-hmm. We're off on the road to Morocco. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry for that. It, there's nothing super deep within them. I kind of like it's a little bit tongue in cheek. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the production of these movies because it seems like one of those projects and you see some celebrities do it these days too where they're almost so famous now they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wonder if this was Crosby's and Hope's type of project because within the script they're talking to the viewers as if they know like the viewers watching the movie. I watched a documentary on Bing Crosby and I don't know which one and it actually talks about why they made those movies oh. and yeah and, and so I'll try to find it for you so that um, you can actually know more about how they made them they I think they ended up not even liking them at the end but they were they were so popular so that they just kept turning yeah. them out or something like that but yeah I'll get you the, the documentary Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.